Hi, this is Olivia Cook. And I'm Amber Duffney. And this is The Empowered Woman. Badass and unfiltered. My co-host Amber and I created this podcast to highlight the badass women we know and love. We did this with the goal of empowering women and supporting each other on the journey of life and business. We show women that they can still be a badass, make a difference in the world, leave a legacy, all while rocking their femininity. Now let's dive in. Do you want to reach the next level of wealth and abundance, but something is holding you back? You can't quite put your finger on it, but you know there are some money blocks there. Well, you've come to the right place. Today, I'm talking with Ann Austin. She previously worked as in the accounting field and is now on a mission to bring love back into the world. Now, what does that have to do with money? Well, keep listening and you'll find out. As always, the links to contact her are in the show notes below. Thank you so much, Ann, for joining me. You're welcome. I'm excited and nervous all at the same time. I mean, who talks about love and money in the business world all at the same time? Right. Oh, yeah. Right. Like, I just, I feel like we can really help people up level their money mindset on a different level and, and have a different conversation about it. And that's why I was like, you know what, I think this is just such a good topic for the both of us to like, you know, dive into. So if you want to just tell tell a little bit about your like background and your story, um, I'd love to hear it. Oh, for sure. (laughs) Uh, so it's funny because the first thing I would say to you is I'm a, in, in most worlds, I would be seen as a CPA or an ex-CPA, but I've always known that the world is about love. And so it's funny because when you look back now on my life, I feel like I was constantly the, the theme song, looking for love in all the wrong places, because I kept like a rabbit, right? Sticking my head out and going, is there love here? Is there love there? And so that included, I, I taught at the University of Toronto, um, loved connecting with my students, um, taught swimming as a young kid, but business always had a passion, numbers, accounting, people. I was never your standard accountant. I floated from administration to project management. Most accountants said I never fit in, which always made me laugh. And what I did recognize is that a lot of accountants in my world were loving, kind beings, right, that didn't necessarily know how to operate completely in this reality. And so they used that skill set, right, to to help people kindly get comfortable with money and numbers. Um, But I didn't know how to speak about it. And it's funny, I never imagined that I'd actually be speaking about love, money, and business today. And so then fast forward, funnily, on April Fool's Day, uh, 2012, my divine partner, Bill Little, uh, showed up in my life who had this crazy passion for technology. But the first thing he spoke to me was about love. And I thought, who are you? Like, you crazy fucker. Like, how can you, how can you sit here in this Toronto yoga show, this 50 something guy at the time, you know, bald, sharing a technology that nobody understands, talk about love and get help and and people will understand. And, and I did, I, I can't tell you what he said to me, how he said it to me anymore, 
But at the time I knew that what he was speaking about was truth. And, and so I learned to follow that. And so as we talk about money mindset today, um, what I've come to understand is that there's mistruths, so much mistruths ab- out there about money that we've learned not to trust ourselves anymore. And so when we learn to hone our inner knowing, our heart-based knowing, our intuitive knowing, however you want to know it, and then the mind can execute, then we've got alignment and then we've got money truth, right? It's like meeting the, the bullshit salesman, right? And, and depending on, on you, and this was me, is I would constantly doubt myself. Oh, no, I don't, I don't know that that guy's full of shit. Or I don't know that what he says doesn't matter, right? Like even when you and I first met, somebody asked this poignant question, why do I deserve money? And I said, you don't deserve fucking shit. Wait, we create. Mm -hmm. So when we talk about money and we'll play with it today, what what I learned over time is money flows when there's an alignment between the heart and the soul. And the mind is, is just the tool to help us execute, right? When, when we let her from an insecurity or a fear, or an, and I have them all, so I'm so not projecting here, um, I realized that my mind uh, kept mysterying me from the truth of the inner knowing. And so I call that following, following your flow. Um, it's not as hippie as it sounds. I've had people say, oh, you can't operate in that reality if you're following from flow. And I say bullshit. I, I actually say that's the magic. So that's kind of the synopsis of how I've gotten here. Thank you. Thank you so much. You said a lot. And I kind of want to like dive into the money truths that are really lies that we've been yep. programmed to necessarily like believe. Like what yep. are in I, I definitely think these are things that so many people deal with, like the whole worthiness part of it too. And are you like fe- having to feel worthy? And to me, it's like, it's so important to detach the emotion from money. It's just, it's just like, it just comes like it, it, it is, it comes and goes. It's a, it's energy and it's just a form of exchange. Very much so. But we put all this extra stuff on it. So yeah, let's, let's try to like unpack some of that stuff. What are some of the things that um, you dealt with when it comes with like some of those blocks that you had? Yep. So I'll get the, we'll go for the jugular. We'll go for the biggest one that there's never enough. Mm -hmm. And so at a very young age, right. Um, Because I grew up with a single mom, a really amazing hard, uh, open hearted mom. But there was constantly this personification that was never enough, always wanting more, 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 more. And in fact, I built my whole freaking fucking life on more, more, because when I watched my mom go through poverty, I decided that's it. I'm never, ever going to be in that situation. I'm going to be happy and I'm going to make myself happy because I'm going to make a million dollars. And so by the time I was 35, um, from an asset perspective, I probably had almost a million dollars, right? I had the house, the dog, the cottage, the six digit salary, the bonuses, the the CPA, the career, 
And I thought, oh, that's it. I am going to be happy. And it's funny because one time I was in the ideal vacation, Turks and Caicos, great place. If you've never been, you fucking want to go. Okay? I'm going to go. That's going to be on the list. Oh. <laughs> it is actually oh. on the list. It should be on the list, right? And probably some of the most beautiful Caribbean waters I've ever been in. So here I am with my husband and at that time, my two sons, uh, they were probably three and six would be my guess. And I'm on my ideal vacation with the open patio doors and the sun beaming in. And I'm so fucking tired that I can't even get up before 10 o'clock. My kids are out playing and I'm like peeling my eyeballs off because I've just finished like this multi-million dollar project. And I think, and it's like my, my, my soul hovered above my body and yelled with a big blowhorn, are you happy? And I, and I, it happened. Like I looked up and I was like, and it was in that pivotal moment that I realized that I'd been programmed um, to wanting more, including my father, who told me if I had my grandfather, if I had the perfect loyal job, that if I fit into this mold and I saved for retirement, I would be happy. And so I tried to follow that imposed agenda thinking that the house, the dog, the cottage, now don't get me wrong, I love the cottage, okay? But I thought all those things would make me happy. And so I followed other people's rules or those rules that existed in my reality and exist in lots of people's realities, thinking that if I followed the money, it would make me happy. It was the band-aid that I needed instead of following my soul. And so that's probably one of the biggest for me. And it's it's taken some undoing. <laughs> um, it's not been the overnight miracle. I've caught myself. But anytime I think I'm looking for more, I now sense the insecurity and know that that's not really my truth. That's just my ego or that mind chattering in the background going, it's not safe to be here. It's not safe to be here. I didn't always feel safe. And at times I can still get caught. Um, and when I didn't feel safe, which many of us don't, then we think that money is going to be the band-aid solution to make me safe and make me feel happy. And I realized that that was total bullshit. It's not true. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. Like, I um, And it's not to say, like, you don't, like we, we totally know we need money to survive and have things. That's, that's not, I just want people to know that's not what we're saying, but your no. happiness is dependent on yourself. It's, you can't be happy when you need to choose to be happy with where you are in the moment, because it's totally a choice. But if you're continuously using that and those, those status symbols as your level of happiness, then there, that's not what it's in. It's, it's within yourself. And well, I understand, <laughs> you know, yeah, and, <laughs> trust me, I had the $500 suit. Okay. Or the thousand dollar suit. I think the most I ever spent was 500 and sure. It made me feel absolutely fucking sexy as all sin, but on the inside, I was insecure and dying, even though I was brilliant. I mean, I, I had a 4.0 GPA and I had, you know, this award and that award and I moved up the corporate ladder easy. And, and people would say to me, I don't get it. You can do circles around those dudes in the boardroom. Why are you so insecure? 
And so what I've come to recognize is we're running subconscious programming. Mm -hmm. And so it's, it's, we say it's about the mindset and I, I agree, but sometimes for me in certain circumstances, it didn't matter what I told my mind, those programs were still running. And so those oh, yeah. programs were exuding in my reality, no matter how hard I tried. And I tried a lot of different stuff to try and make myself feel better. And so it's been unbelievable, just like you said, to finally realize we have choice and in the letting go process, really find our own groove and our own happiness. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So tell us a little bit more about what you do now, since you're no longer, um, you're an ex-CPA. So yeah, <laughs> it's now that you're, um, you have some really cool, awesome technologies that get, yeah. help get to that subconscious level. So that's what showed up. So that was April Fool's Day, 2012. No linear thinking that a CPA could possibly have understood. And so I began getting introduced to quantum, I would call it divine subtle energy sciences that use sound and scalar to help create coherent energy fields. So imagine incoherence in nature or in a loving environment where you're constantly shown and told that you're, you're perfect, you're good, you begin to finally believe it. And not all of us grew up in those environments, right? Mm -hmm. And so that's what happened to me. I got introduced quickly. It was a crash course into these divine sciences, subtle energy technologies that are slowly making their way out into the world, right? It's not a crash anything. And they felt right. And so I spent the last eight, almost nine years now, working and exploring these instruments, but kept wondering, you know, where my background in business and economics, because uh, uh, played, you know, I've, I've got this one hat that showed up and then another. And so what I began to do is I traveled Canada and a few places with my partner primarily, where we would introduce the technologies to people, work with them in groups one-on-one -on -one, and start to see, uh, biofeedback, I call it feedback from other individuals, how I responded, how others responded. And my partner's been doing this because he's a total technology geek for over 10 years. And so we would meet developers, we would meet creators, and then we even started creating our own about a year and a half ago, interestingly. And what we saw was this accelerated way using these coherent fields to help strengthen or accelerate the letting go process because it bypasses the mind. Now that's gonna freak some people out because mm -hmm. they're like, well, if I can't control it, I don't wanna do it. And I get it. If, if that's how you feel, then this is not the space for you. Mm -hmm. But I look at it like um, beautiful uh, vibrational music on steroids because what it's doing is working within the energy bodies of, of the field that it's placed to help us feel like it's okay to let go. We still have choice. We still have the mind. We still have the ego. But I think what I recognized is I could let go of the beliefs and patterns more easily by having them in my field. And they still continue to do. And I started to see more rapid change 
I look at it like an alignment, um, a greater alignment with my soul, my inner knowing than the imposed agendas and realities that exist around me. Um, that still exists today, right? We all have, you know, we still have TV and family and people, but it's a strengthening of that inner knowing using sound and energy technologies is how I've looked at it. And, and trust me, I did not see this coming. Like it came out of left field, but it felt so right. And I listened to that inner part of me. Um, so it's like it's, an it's elevation of my soul. Work. That's a great way. Elevation, um, I would say elevation in the sense that the soul gets an opportunity to speak more strongly mm -hmm. than allowing the mind and the ego or the patterns to constantly override. Yeah. Yeah. That's a so great how I'm seeing it, it is like, you know, the mind's here, we have that, but you've got these technologies that come into play. And so this, this is touching the soul and the subconscious mind. Yeah here. Yeah. Um, which is, you know, heavily connected, uh, because you can start to reconstruct a lot of those things when you get to the core, you know, yeah. of, you know, of the soul. So then it's like these things, they just come and bring it up. And then it's like, oh, you're in purpose. And it's like, it's, it's a lot less work to get there because you can get there with your mind. It's just a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of work. Yeah, well, and some have had great success with the mind. So I don't, I don't discount that. It's just um, some like me have been through so much traumatic experience in this life. I could give you my laundry list, right? And that trauma has this interesting impact of, of imposing an egoic mistrust. Mm. And so we don't easily trust again once we've been hurt, perceived hurt, but it's still hurt right. so many times. And especially when inside of you is like this gentle, kind, loving being that's wanting to get out. And sometimes you you stick your head out and it's like whack-a-mole, back down you go, right? Especially in yeah. business, right? You'd show up and you're like this loving being. And then it was like back down it went because it was often dominated by, and I'm not knocking it okay, but very much so by the egoic, structures of the male dominant form yes there's not a lot of femininity in now more so now in 2021 than oh, there was you know and i think it's i think it's great um i i absolutely love that women are finally getting to and it's it's not everywhere but definitely in canada and america it's a lot women are doing a lot more um and our input is taken a lot more but I mean, how most of these corporations, most of the big corporations are still run by men, like, and, and how those, how that masculine energy comes into it. And it's like, they're like, you know, we're not going to fix it and stuff like that. And this is also, I'm, I'm getting so many things, but it's also something that you like definitely have to be open to accepting, you know, like you have to come in with the possibility of changing your, your how you see things and accepting you know accepting that like accepting to just let the things happen and be open to it yeah some of the most i mean i've seen some beautiful male leaders in my time in fact 
uh, that's what drew me to my partner, mm-hmm. my now partner, was that he had a loving leadership presence that I be I believe that both the male and the female can represent. Um, but it is about bringing um, love uh, from my perspective back into into the workplace, um, into the consciousness of humanity, because it's in that loving, compassionate state, which true leaders know, um, where we we really get that divine inspiration, that divine idea, or that divine connection that really inspire other people to change from the inside out as well. And don't get me wrong, in my career, I met some truly loving and compassionate leaders. Um, The organization that I worked for um, was extremely beautiful and still is and powerful. It's just that I didn't know where I fit in. And I realized that I wanted to do leadership differently. And at the time, I couldn't find a place within that organization that truly resonated for me. And in hindsight, you know, maybe if I'd opened my mouth and spoken my truth like I am today, more transparently, because I was afraid to do so, then maybe that wouldn't be the case. So this isn't a reflection of that. It's more a reflection of me and oh, where I yeah. want to be. And yeah. I, I'm totally... I. I didn't want it to come off like I don't like male leadership at all. Like that's oh, not. Oh no, I don't say that at all. Just, no, no, no. <laughs> but um, I think that women also we might have like, and this this isn't for everybody, but like the just the subconscious of like we when we're going into a male dominated field, yeah, we do want to fit a certain mold. Yeah, and or any field, really, you want to fit a certain mold. Wherever you go, you want to fit in somewhere. And I know that we're moving into a state of more the individual and not so the collective anymore. And I think it's what, 2027, when that's gonna really start, but there's already children being born now that are like getting some of those notes. I, this is from um, human design that I was like, Oh yes, about. yes, yes. So, <laughs> so I didn't um, know that, but that's exciting. <laughs> yeah. So we're, we're going into the age of more the individual. And so I think that you crept on something that's so powerful in this time period, because I mean, the next 10, 15 years, it's, it's going to be because so many people need healing, especially after COVID, our world, you know what I'm saying? Like the technologies, it's not just, it's not just about money. Love carries so many other things. And, and when we have this, I I feel like when you elevate your soul, you kind of, and, and the ego's not a part of it as much, and you can kind of diminish that as much as possible, then you really, the stress and problems with money kind of go away. Yes. Thank you. God, you're good. You're (laughs) really good at articulating. I'm just gonna, you you know, hire you for the rest of my life because (laughs) 
I didn't know I didn't always see that. So what I've come to recognize is that my ego was in the driver's seat more than I even realized. And so there is this subconscious awareness. And so, you know, when we talk about the evolution or love evolution, the evolution of consciousness, all we're talking about is continued heightened awareness of when we're the, when the soul is in the driver's seat more than the ego and allowing the two to lovingly work together because you know there is magic right to having that ego help us make decisions move things forward but we don't always realize it's in the driver's seat even when we think it's not and trust me I've, I've been gobsmacked with a few fucking examples of that where I didn't think it was in the driver's seat and it really was and so that's why we talk about constant evolution because for us that's fine that may not be everybody's gig right um but it's about evolving past that egoic state and and leveraging in our case technology to assist in that evolution so so that we can let money flow it, it was absolutely it's an energy it's meant to flow but it's had some shitty strings attached to it. It's funny when you said something, it triggered something. I was laughing so, I, so hard at me. So when you talk about the age of the individual, mm-hmm. many um, of us, maybe not you, have been taught that as an individual to express ourselves, that that means we're selfish, right? And so that was one of the things that I really had to overcome because I was taught by my grandmother and my mother and my aunt that love is about putting everyone in, and, and money to everyone else first before yourself. And so I did that for 35 years and I fucking burnt myself out, sister. Um, I literally had nothing left because I gave to my friends, my, my business, my, the partnership that I worked for, my family. I gave everything I had and I drained the tank. And so when we look at this, this consciousness of the individual, some of the subconscious programming that I hear in my head was for some of us, it'll be getting over that that's selfish that's not true love that that's not caring that that's not about this or not about that right we have to invest our energy or our time in other people or we're not real and so that was another one that I really <laughs> that was a mofo one because my grandmother was living proof of that she gave until there was nothing left she had a, a psychological breakdown at the age of 71 yeah, they had to put her in an institution. And I was like, because I, I just my grandmother was like, I was done. I've had enough. And she didn't know how to get out. And I saw it in my aunt. I saw it in my mother. And so one of my defining moments was at my aunt's funeral, right? There I am, you know, 2012, my aunt dies of cancer. I go, I haven't been in her house for a while. And I go and there's churches full. There's like 200 people there because my aunt and my uncle were loving members in the community, right? But I also knew the truth. My aunt was an ex-raging alcoholic that hid in her house for like four years. And as I go through her house, there's all this spirituality stuff. She had books from Deepak Chopra signed. And I'm like, what? I didn't know this about my aunt. Like, what the fuck? But none of it was open. It was like she had an inner knowing that there was something else, but she didn't have the strength to move through it. And so... When I look at the loving women in my family, I can also see the imposition of the patterns 
that we're not worthy enough, that we're, we, that it's selfish to step out or all those things. And it inhibited them from stepping forward, but it also fueled my inner truth. And so when this divine science showed up that made sense to me and I said, let's go for it. I was a bit of a locomotive for a while. There was no stopping me. I was like, fuck, I waited a long time for this. Uh, and now to bring love-based economics into it, right? And start to play with economics and distribution of product. And what does that mean in the love-based arena really excites me. And I think that's that excitement when, you know, you talk about money that I really want to inspire uh, others to really find the excitement and the creation and their passion and not make it about money but understand mm -hmm. that there, there is a way to bring money into it, but to bring it in differently, inspired, you know, not from the old patriarchal systems of, you know, give, you know, give till there's nothing left or pull, pull, pull till there's nothing left, but finding this synergistic beauty of in, incorporating money into our businesses and into our lives. That's what I call sacred economics is allowing that, that inner, you know, in, intellectual and, intuitive knowing and allowing money to flow into that reality at the same time. Yeah, it's crazy, eh? I think that that's so cool. You you mentioned so many things. For one, the not filling your cup up first and that being selfish. And I mean, now I understand so much more because of you saying that, like, because I'll see like, you know, self-care isn't selfish. And I never see me, I never thought that it was, but you expressing all of this and then thinking about other people and especially women always being the caregivers and always supposed to do everything else for everybody else. I mean, I'll tell you what, like I was so hurt that when I found out my mom was a person and not just my mom, like, <laughs> I was like, what? She's, she's, she's her own person. And, um, I mean, I was a, a like young child at this time, but it, it's still like the whole like concept of, you know, you from a child, you see your mother giving so much, especially if your mom was a single mom. And, you know, like mine was at a point in time too, and just working so hard and, and just get, you know, just to support and give. And um, it does put some some thoughts in your head, like, okay, yeah, I want more. I, I was definitely the same way. Like I, I'm like, I want, my mom always said, you know, whatever you do, be happy with it. But I didn't equate that to like money, like, like actually being worth money. I'm like, no, I'm going to make money. I didn't realize when I was like a teenager, um, that I could be happy doing something and still make a phenomenal amount of money with what I was doing. And then I, like something hit me, like I went into, like I got into school for pre-law and I was like, I don't really want to spend my days arguing all the time. <laughs> like, I really, I don't really want to do, I knew that much. And then I'm like, okay, I work in food and Bev. And I, I started doing that. I was like, okay, this is cool. And then I started like working like a day job type thing. And I'm like, I like getting, money for my personality. I like, you know, just, just certain, I'm like for just being myself, not really like, right. you know, having to do like, it, it's just not that much work. And, and then it's like, 
when you equate the two, it's like, this is just not the same. And so that that's been kind of like the journey of like, I always had this idea in my head, like, well, I shouldn't be doing this or I shouldn't be serving because um, that's not, you know, a, a good career or whatever. And then I was reading Marie Folio's um, Everything is Figureoutable. And um, I just, I love that book uh, because she mentioned like, she's like, you know, I did, I, I did bartending, I did serving while I was, you know, I was creating my email list from people that were at the restaurant. And I was like, you know, just this is before email lists were a huge thing, you know, like this before the like social media was even a huge thing. She started her YouTube channel and stuff like that. And I'm just like, she just, she continued to build and build and do it, but doing something that she loved. It wasn't, you know, she did what she needed to do, but she loved what she was doing. And I mean, that opened up, that, that really did change my mindset on the whole, like, well, I can totally serve on the side and continue to build my business. And I don't have to stress myself out with a day job that I don't enjoy. And to me, that is the friggin' crux. So what I've seen in this, I'm going to call it space, okay, where we switch gears and we realize we don't love what we're doing. Sometimes we dive into this new space and we repeat the pattern of trying to make it all about the money because we're afraid that we're not going to have any money. So I transitioned from six digits to zero. That was a motherfucker, right? I bet. <laughs> but but when we launched into a new space, I didn't want to make it about the money. Mm-hmm. And so what I love about what you shared is you picked you picked a something that you still love um, in the food and beverage. And I loved when you shared that with me because you love going there a couple of nights a week or whatever yeah. you decided, right? Exactly. Just to meet people like I like to it's a great social right. activity to make money like <laughs> you get paid to love people I call it and 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 it would be a win-win and so when we transition we want to look at ways where when we're starting new initiatives or new energy from my perspective you don't want to make it up all about the money mm-hmm. because then we lose our creative inspiration we lose our divine purpose whatever you want to talk it right our mojo right so what I recognize is the most successful individuals that I've seen never make it about the money the money just follows Mm -hmm. and we understand that money plays a role and there's a form of exchange and, and you find the vibe that's right about them but we can come at it from a poverty perspective or we can come at it the other way about you know trying to become the million dollar guru I'm not knocking any of that but when we allow creativity to flow and first and money second, that's when the mojo comes on. Yep. And this, it reminds me of something that Bradley Lee said, and he, he is the software creator for that. Um, and when I met him, this is the funniest thing I'm telling you, like I'm serving him at the restaurant. Right. And I'm like, you kind of remind me of Grant Cordone. And he was like, I made Grant who he is. And I'm like, who are you? <laughs> <laughs> okay, not really. 
<laughs> I'm like, who are you? <laughs> and then we're talking like he's just a cool dude. And like I followed his stuff on Instagram and stuff. And um nice. He but yeah, he makes the software. He's like, Yeah, Tony's one of my clients, uh, you know, Tony Robbins, and like so all of them. He's yeah. out there in Arizona. Like, so um, but him saying, you know, it took me until I was 30 to start realizing that I needed to do this for people. Mm. You know, this multi-millionaire wow. dollar guy, you know what I'm saying? Like he, he's like, and then yeah. you'll also see that other people say it too. Um, Ed Milet said he's worth like $500 million. He'll say, you know, I'm, I tell my kids I'm out helping people, you yeah. know, you're doing things for other people. Yes. The money is there and there, there's that aspect, Absolutely. But, but the focus is what you can do for other people showing that love and being in that purpose and giving yeah. what you have and offering that to others and helping yeah. them along their journey. Then that, that comes back tenfold. And then you help people out and you really help them and you change their lives. And then you get some referrals. And it just keeps, it, and, it, and it continues, it, it just, it is, and you know, then they refer you to somebody else too. Like, you know, you, you learn more and you elevate more. Cause I'm, I'm very, very similar with always wanting to elevate, always wanting to be on the ver next best version of myself. And yeah. um, yeah, just, I, it, really honing in on that. Like, that's something that I really like got into this year too, of everything being, how can I give my best after my cup is filled? After I take care <laughs> of me first, how can I give to other people that will really help and benefit them? And that's really going to be my focus in this next transition is, you know what, I'm going to just come up and serve, you know, like to my clients and everything like that. And just enjoy every little aspect of my life. I don't yeah. want to fill my life up with work. I want to fill my life up with purpose. I don't want to waste time because I have this huge thing on time. It's the most valuable thing we will ever, ever have. And no experience is ever the same. We just keep living the same story because we're living under our subconscious programming. But when you get out of that and you start to live intentionally and in purpose, then this world opens up and then it's like that happiness that you need to find that you look in for other things. It, it's there. Yeah, no, I, I, and I, I don't think I would have known that before. So I'm, I'm tremendously grateful because the funny thing is, you know, when I look back now, there are times, right. Where I'm, I thought like, what are we doing? Wandering around, sharing a technology, nobody fucking understands. And and I, I know people have said, don't use that line. But the reality is the human mind can't grasp everything you do and share. And it's not just me, right? It's this whole mm -hmm. reality. You know, you can't grasp what, what is really COVID and what's really going on. I mean, that's a totally different discussion. But what used to make me laugh is anytime I gave up, right, uh, money would show up in the most funniest and whack of dutiest of ways. I'm, I remember once where I'd hit this wall and I was like, oh, I don't know, because living in Toronto hasn't been, it's not the cheapest place in the world and yada, yada, yada. Right. And I thought, wow, like, am I actually going to be supported? Cause your mind goes, I don't know. You're crazy. 
And then, and then one day my sister shows up to an event and says, I have to give this to you. And she showed up with a $30,000 check from my uncle who had decided to give part of his um, estate away before he died. And I started to bawl. I started to cry because things were coming up, my insecurities, my fears. And I thought, okay, do I need to go back to my old way, right, of living? And, and, I'm, and I could do it, you know, become an accountant again, and do people's books and teach taxation. I mean, I don't get me wrong. I enjoyed it. But do I have to go back to that because I'm not going to be able to, to move forward in this in this world with what I feel inside. And so when you were talking, I was like, and money shows up in the weirdest of wackiest of ways, <laughs> just to remind you, don't stop, you know, whether it be serving somebody and they hand you a $500 tip, right? Mm -hmm. Or a moment where I was on a call with a woman with Difference Makers Media, and I was having a moment one day, and she picked up this, uh, if you've never seen the blue ribbon org.org. And the blue ribbon says, uh, you matter. And I was having a total moment and I get on this call. And the first thing she says to me is, I feel like I need to show you this ribbon and say to you that you, you matter, you make a difference. And the tears coming down my eyes, because I was like, oh, it's exactly what I need to hear. And so when we talk about energy and giving love and giving money, it's, 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 it's all that all encompassing of really having individuals show up in our lives when you love and touch people and the work that you're going to do at the moment they need to see it and hear it to remind them right that that they matter and it's it's been quite interesting to see how that shows up even in money yes yes so my last question what where do you see yourself in the next five years <laughs> Um, in the moment, I see myself speaking more openly about the sacredness of economics. And I don't mean I'm going to try and teach you economics. It's not what I mean, but about really inviting a new energy um, and consciousness about money into, into our lives and really recognizing where it's inhibiting us from moving forward so that people can identify more quickly what's stopping them and let go. Because I really feel that those heart-centered uh, individuals, whether it be at McDonald's or whether it be in the corporate arenas or whether it be in small business, when we can tune into that sacredness and what that means for us as individuals or as souls, we can recreate uh, new businesses, to be honest, mm -hmm. on this earth vibrationally, which is a more inviting space for people to say yes. We're mm -hmm. kind of tired of the old push paradigms. And so the open invitations without the trick, without the gimmicks, without the anything is the space that I really feel we as a collective want to play. And if I can have any, you know, voice or influence in that invitation to play, um, it would be truly an honor um, to, uh, to have people come and play. 
that that I'm excited to see what you do. I'm so ready for it because that <laughs> that would be an awesome shift. Just you know to that I have a friend that does um transformational sales, and she was just talking yeah. about how powerful it was just to help while trying to sell in general. So it wasn't even exactly. like there were gimmicks or tricks or anything like that. It was literally nope. just showing and offering, offering, really offering is so different. And not to say that sales is bad, but there are a lot of slimy sales tactics that are out there that people are tired of. And now that everybody's being like, you know, manipulative, right? We've been taught that way. Yeah, no, I'll give you one quick example. Um, if, if, uh, is yesterday I was speaking to a beautiful heart-centered woman about a service that we're offering and she was asking questions and I just shared and she said how much and you know what I said to her I don't know and that just made her squirm and and I understand it because we're also used to having people tell us what the price is mm-hmm. and so one of the things I've been experimenting with is if I share and I don't have a price in mind because I didn't sometimes I do then I said to her, if you're willing to experiment with this for two months, you tell me what you're comfortable spending. And she, she's so lovely. And she goes, oh my God, I can't even tell you a number. And so one of the things I've begun experimenting to do is tell me what this is worth to you right now. Because we all have different economic abilities at the mm-hmm. same time. And so, you know, you'll meet people who have cups who are really empty and not just, you know, emotionally, but economically. And, and people say, you're not here to help everyone. And I say, that's true. But where there's an alignment, I don't want money to stop us. Mm-hmm. And so I watched her go through that yesterday. And she named a price. And I said, done, let's do it for two months. If I don't want it, you, I have the right to say no. Uh, you can tell me a price yeah. that I think I totally disagree. And I can tell you, no, I can tell you to fuck off, right? Mm-hmm. But, but not because I'm angry with you. It just doesn't work for me. Mm -hmm. And so in this openness and transparency and bringing it back into this economic or heart space business world, I want to create transparency on both sides, right? Just like you talked about in from the client perspective, from the contributor perspective, and it's in that transparency, we find out again. Yes. Yes. I love that. Thank you for adding that. And again, if you've listened to this, you know, gotten this far, Anne's links are in the comments below, in the show notes below. Thank you so much for joining me. And I cannot wait to see what you do. And I'm just, I'm so grateful for the time that you've spent with me. Me too, hon. You are an amazing and enjoyment to, to chat and connect with. And if anybody's listening and they want to just, just reach out and keep listening to you. You are a beautiful being, hon. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Empowered Woman podcast, Badass and Unfiltered. If you like what you're hearing, please subscribe. For guest opportunities, you can email us at theempoweredwomanpodcast at gmail.com, also linked in the description below. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place by working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices, by developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, 
Visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.